Welcome to the Healthy Matters Podcast with Dr. David Hilden, primary care physician and acute care hospitalist at Hennepin Healthcare in downtown Minneapolis, where we cover the latest in health, healthcare, and what matters to you. And now here's your host, Dr. David Hilden. Hey everybody, Dr. David Hilden here, your host of the Healthy Matters Podcast. This is episode 14, and we're going to talk about something near and dear to all of us, our feet. But I don't know very much about feet. So I invited a colleague and a friend of mine, Dr. Nicole Bowerly. She is a podiatrist at Hennepin Healthcare, where I work. Nikki, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Okay, Dr. Bowerly, what's a podiatrist? (laughs) What is a podiatrist? A podiatrist is a foot and ankle specialist. Starting with our education, after our bachelor's, after college, we do four years of medical school, podiatric medical school, and that can be hooked with an MD or a DO school. We will sit for the first two years taking the same tests and the same classes as the MD and DO physicians. And then in our second two years, we kind of split off and really focus in on the lower extremity, doing foot and ankle and really specializing in on that in our rotations. When we get to our surgical residency, all residencies now are three years surgically trained for the reconstruction of foot and ankle. So anything of the bone that's related to the ankle and below. And um, every state has their own statute of how high up we can go here in Minnesota. We can go all the way up to the knee and then bone, including ankle and down. Did you always know you wanted to be a surgeon? Because um, I, I hate I hate being in the operating room. I did it for like 12 <laughs> seconds back in med school, and I decided, nah, no. No, not for you. Um, I really did like the procedure part of it. Um, and foot and ankle, the surgeries are great because we really can help patients get back to their level of activity. These are reproducible and reliable outcomes for surgeries, and patients really do well with foot and ankle surgery. I bet people love their foot surgeon. They do. Oh, I, I mean, assuming it all goes right. <laughs> I suppose nobody loves you if it doesn't go right, but I bet most of the time it does. Most of the time it does, absolutely. So in your practice, what what do you see the most of? What do people come to you for? A variety of foot and ankle issues. Anything from overuse, um, where I'm getting aches and pains where I didn't before. We do a lot of diabetic work here at HCMC. Uh, where people end up with open wounds or ulcerations that can lead to infections or amputations. And so we try and prevent that. And then we also do a lot of trauma here as well. So any type of foot or ankle fracture um, coming through the doors, whether it's through the ED or they limp into clinic, um, we have same-day walk-in appointments in clinic, and we will help anything that comes through the door. So in your clinic, what's the most common cause of foot pain? We see a variety of stuff coming in, and I would say kind of the pandemic plantar fasciitis is very common right now. And what does that mean? That's never really been termed before. I think I had that. It was awful. My, <laughs> so, my arch and my heel hurt. Yeah, so plantar fasciitis, um, we can review that. But I see it more commonly now because people have transitioned to working at home and they're barefoot and they're not getting the support from their shoes anymore. And so as we sit at home, walk around at home, we're not getting the support from our shoe or our previous insert. And so we're seeing an uptick in kind of biomechanical 
physical related pain or just kind of wear and tear aches and pains um, that is simply helped by better structure, either with shoes, orthotics, simple things like rest, icing, stretching. So plantar fasciitis is a structure that starts at the heel bone, kind of runs through the arch and out to the metatarsal heads or toes. And that can get as simple as inflammation in there or if it's left untreated, can get um, some really small tearing in there. It's very painful. It feels like your heel is broke. It's not. It's just the attachment of the fascia on the heel bone. So when you get out of bed in the morning, the first couple of steps can be very painful. You're kind of limping off around your day. It works itself out um, where you get on with your day and your, your activities. And then by the end of the day, it's really sore again. Those are the ones that if it lasts longer than a couple of weeks, once you come into clinic and we can give you really supportive tips to get that to go away. The longer it's left untreated, the harder it is to treat. So you do want to see your provider early. I think I had it when I was running. Do runners get it? Runners can get it as well. I kept running. That probably wasn't the right <laughs> thing to do. Are you supposed to stop doing what you're doing? That's, I always say, well, if it hurts when you're doing that, why don't you stop doing that? Yeah, good advice. Everything in moderation. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So so someone comes in, they've got this. What mm-hmm. do you tell them? I've got heel pain. I've got arch mm-hmm. pain. What what things can you do? Are yeah. there any things people can do on their own without seeing a foot surgeon? Yes. So if you are one of those uh, patients or people that now that it's nice weather out, everyone going out for a walk or a jog, which is great. But if you do it seven days in a row because of the nice weather right now, you're going to end up with some foot pain. So very simply, we always forget an ice pack can be very helpful. So put a towel down first, five or 10 minutes. It's a great anti-inflammatory versus taking medication to help with that inflammation. So an ice pack is great. Good supportive shoes. The other thing I would say is if you're pulling out your walking or running shoes from last year or the year before, it's time to update them. So so if you but they are, look good. They might look good, but that bacteria and fungus can break down the lining. <laughs> Whoa, now that took a turn. I didn't see that coming. So bacteria and fungus mess up your running shoes? It can, yeah. And so if you do high mileage um, or they're, I would say, over a year old, that lining can start to break down and it's not giving you the cushion and support that you need. If you're in the market for new shoes, there are quite a few shoe stores around town that are very helpful. They will actually sit with you and measure you and get you into the right shoe. But a good rule of thumb, if you're on your own, if you can bend or twist your shoe, it's not going to offer any support. So go through the the shoes, bend and twist, and look for one that's pretty firm. Um, So you don't want those really lightweight kind of toe, uh, the Vibram, the toe shoes, yep, those, yep. those will keep me in business yeah. unless you have a very neutral foot type. So those are not meant for most patients. And do people know how to wear the right size? I mean, because let's face it, a lot of us order our stuff off online things. You don't even barely try it on. You just order the same <laughs> size you bought last time in some other yeah. brand. Yeah. So shoes run very different. So, uh, you know, a size nine in one shoe company is is a very different size nine in, a, in another one. So always try on both pair of shoes, make sure they're comfortable. Um, That's why I suggest kind of buying them in town with somebody that will help fit them. Um, Then you know you're getting the right one. So that's not working for me, let's just say. I've got my heel hurts, my arch support. I I got good shoes. Doctor, you know, now now I come to see you. Yeah. Is there anything more to be done? So we'll give you a a home regimen of stretching exercises. So we won't necessarily get you into scheduled physical therapy right away. We'll give you some home physical therapy that's very 
doable. So if you can do your stretching, your icing, good supportive shoes. Not everyone needs a custom insert, but for some, we do offer orthotic clinic right in our podiatry clinic um, where our orthotist is there. She does a quick scan with an iPad, takes her about two weeks to make, and we mail them to you. So it's a really nice service to get a custom pair of inserts if necessary. That sounds lovely. So an orthotist. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever heard that term. Yes. They're the one who makes those custom orthotics. Mm -hmm. Yes, correct. Do the ones you buy down at the store, you know, those little (laughs) jelly things, do those do anything? Um, So if you are looking for an over-the-counter insert, you're going to want to look for one that's a little firmer to give you support. The gel or Spanko. um, Spanko? S-P-E-N-C-O. Spanko. Spanko. That's the name of something? Yeah, it is. That's that foam one. Okay. Um, Or there's silicone or gel. Those are meant more for corns or calluses if you have kind of a sore spot. But a firmer one is going to be more appropriate for somebody who has a tendonitis or a plantar fasciitis that needs actual structural support. So those are some great tips. When we come back from a short break, we're going to talk about something you mentioned earlier, Dr. Bowerly, and that's about wounds and sores on the feet. We'll do that right after this break. You're listening to the Healthy Matters Podcast with Dr. David Hilden. Have a question or a comment for the doctor? Become a part of our show by reaching out to us at healthymatters at hcmed.org or give us a call at 612-873-TALK. That's 612-873-8255. And now let's get back to more healthy conversation. And we're back. I've got Dr. Nicole Bowerly, a doctor of podiatric surgery. Is that the right way to say it? Doctor? That is correct. Yes. That's a hard one. Podiatric. <laughs> Podiatric surgery, yes. She is a foot surgeon, and she's also a leader in our healthcare system here at Hennepin Healthcare, so she wears some other hats as well. But today we're talking about her clinical practice in the care of your feet. Earlier, you mentioned that you do a lot with people, largely with diabetes, not exclusively, but largely with diabetes, who have sores and wounds on their feet. First of all, why do people, especially people who live with diabetes, get sores on their feet? It's related to the neuropathy. And neuropathy is kind of the inappropriate sensation where the nerves don't work correctly because of the years of high blood sugar that damages the nerves. can damage a lot of other things as well, but specifically in the feet where if we lose sensation, a diabetic patient might end up with a blister or kind of a, a sore spot from a shoe but not know it. And then they'll end up rubbing into a deeper wound, whereas you or I would take our shoe off and look at it right away, change shoes, figure out why it's hurting. They don't have that pain sensation, and we'll end up with a wound. They also have an increased chance for infections. So even though we would heal from a simple wound care, you and I would, in a diabetic patient, they have a harder time healing that wound and might lead to an infection. So we have a cool thing here um, about people who don't have enough circulation to their feet. Yeah. What's a Luna? <laughs> What's a Luna? Luna microangiography. It's pretty specialized technology that shows us in real time. So an, an, an angiogram, we can look at the arteries, the larger arteries, can be in our legs or our heart. But the Luna microangiography is real time where we put a little dye in through an IV in your hand and it will fluoresce um, with a special camera, and we can see in real time how long it takes for our foot, and especially our toes, to light up with that dye. We're looking for under 30 seconds 
to look for normal flow into those toes. And so we can look at the wound and see if it takes longer to fill or if it doesn't fill, then we know we're into some small vessel disease, which really can slow down wound healing in our diabetic patients or in our patients with just PAD, peripheral arterial disease. Do these wounds ever heal in diabetes? Because, you know, they don't have very good blood supply. They have the neuropathy. You've done a, the Luna, the microangiography. When do you make the call the decision, and you have to tell this patient, I'm sorry, I don't think this is ever going to heal. That's got to be a hard decision. It is a hard decision. We have a program here called Limb Preservation, um, and the Limb Preservation Program combines four departments. And we know through years of medical research that having multiple disciplinary specialists kind of look at uh, the patient, so we it's vascular surgery, interventional radiologists who do the angiograms. We have hyperbaric medicine, and then we also have the podiatric surgeons. So we've got four departments here, all looking at our diabetic patients and our patients with ischemic um, wounds. And we have a pretty great success rate. So our goal is to not have to amputate. So when you come see us here, if you have a non-healing wound, we will get you plugged in with those four departments and we will see where you qualify and what we can do to help. So it might be improving the blood flow. It might mean surgery or it might not. It does sometimes qualify you for hyperbaric medicine as well. And we have the largest multi-place chamber, meaning multiple patients can dive or have an oxygen treatment at one time in the five-state area. We're pretty proud of that. Yeah, it's the coolest thing in Hennepin. And when I say cool, I don't just mean gee whiz cool, although it's gee whiz cool too. It sure is. They ship that thing from Australia. <laughs> it is gee whiz cool. Had to cool. shut down a few roads, they streets to, to get it in here, yes. So super cool on the limb preservation program. And I have seen it, and maybe you you listening want to check it out too. The Luna Machine and the, our limb preservation program is well worth a Another look, especially if you want to geek out on some really cool pictures, go to our wound healing and limb preservation site at Hennepin Healthcare, and I'll put a link to that in the podcast description as well. Okay, we've talked about wounds. We've talked about plantar fasciitis. Dr. Barley, earlier you said that you also do a lot of trauma to the feet. You have ankle injuries. You have foot injuries. How do people injure their feet? What are the common things you see? We see lots of fractures, foot and ankle. So anything from a soup can falling on your toe... Uh, that can fracture it. Seriously? And, seriously. A and, soup can? You've seen a soup can injury? I've seen a frozen turkey break a foot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we will fix those if needed. Um, even toe fractures, metatarsal fractures are common in our running group that end up with stress fractures and don't take a break. I've had that too. Yes. I've had a metatarsal fracture and I've had a toe fracture there when I kicked go. a radiator. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. very common. Uh, and then more of our high velocity um, where we get a fall from height, either from a ladder or a tree, we might get into a calcaneal fracture, that heel bone, or an ankle fracture, where we get a twisting injury. If we step off a curb, that can be enough to twist our ankle and fracture that. I bet you alcohol sometimes involved in some of those. Can be, yes. So, what do you do about those? Do do you, do you have to like set people's feet uh, 
when they get an ankle injury, do you have to put hardware in there? Do you just cast it? What is usually done? It depends on the type of ankle fracture. Um, some do not require surgery uh, where we can just put them in a mobilizer boot. Um, so those are kind of the ankle fractures that are a little bit lower, just involving those tendon injuries. Other ones that involve the ankle joint itself, most of those do require reduction and then internal fixation with hardware. What other kind of trauma do you see? Um, well, we will see um, gunshot wounds here. Uh, that is something that we do see and uh, take care of very well. To the feet? To the feet. So how does that happen? Uh, sometimes um, it really is truly an accident um, where folks are at the gun range and think their gun is unloaded. They're putting it away and there's still a bullet in the chamber and it goes off. It goes into their foot. And it goes into their foot. Very oh. common, um, unfortunately, through the boot or shoe um, and then... It can disrupt a lot of soft tissue and um, fracture. And those usually, if they're an open fracture, we will take those straight to the operating room, rinse them out really well. We'll be picking out grass and sock and shoe from the inside of the foot. Um, so we want to make sure that those don't get infected and then that they're appropriately fixated if needed. That's fascinating. You know, and I know loads of people who do uh, like to do things like that. They like to go to gun ranges and stuff. It kind of speaks to the need for, you know, gun safety and the handling of your firearms. Absolutely. And now for something on a totally different subject, uh, bunions. Okay, so I've seen patients where their big toe crosses over the second toe and they're not happy about it. Yeah, it hurts. What's a bunion? It doesn't hurt. It, it's a, <laughs> for it's, most patients, they hurt. They're not going to be a foot model anytime soon. No. But it hurts. Yeah. So you can blame your mom and your dad for that one. It's hereditary. Really? Yeah. Um, but not all bunions hurt. So the size of the bunion doesn't determine the pain. So sometimes patients come in with really big bunion deformities and they don't have a whole lot of pain. And sometimes we see these really small deformities and they hurt a lot. So everyone's very individual. And kind of determining if you need surgery or not is based on a couple of things. Do I have pain every day? Are no shoes comfortable? Am I avoiding activities? Then you know you're ready for elective foot surgery. If you don't fit that criteria, then try and avoid foot surgery. You just let it go then. So what causes it? Explain it to to our listeners. What What is a bunion? Yeah, so it is um, the first metatarsal phalangeal joint, that big toe joint. Excuse me? The big toe joint. <laughs> the big toe joint. The big okay. toe joint. The metatarsal head or that last part of the bone can either be round or or square. And if it's round, the big toe can tip towards the second toe. Mm. If it's more square, then you actually get jamming of the two bones and where you end up with arthritis called hallux limitus or hallux rigidus. In that foot deformity, depending on the shape of the bone, you will either end up with arthritis or a bunion that swings over that swings to the second over. toe. I never knew that. So it literally just kind of pivots on that. Mm -hmm. And you're born with a rounded metatarsal mm -hmm. or a square one, just genetics. Genetics, yes. Okay, so when, when someone has a painful, symptomatic bunion, that's mm -hmm. when they should come see you? Uh, yes, correct. We can give you tips and tricks to kind of help uh, with that pain to manage it without needing surgery. So conservative care. So wide shoes. Try and look for material that is more mesh or stretch. Um, no stitching or hard leather right over that big toe joint. You can get into some custom inserts that help support that joint so it doesn't bend as much and you have less pain. 
Um, sometimes we get into a little bursitis where it gets kind of swollen and red. Ice packs, Tylenol or ibuprofen if you can take those over-the-counter medicines. And then just kind of be more supportive when you get into um, some a flare of that big toe joint pain. So if you're looking at your mom or your dad, uh, you know, and you're on you're in on your Florida vacation, and they've got that, and you look down and go, "Ooh, mom, I'm doomed to get that." Or is there anything they can do? There's not, there's not really a whole lot of prevention that you can do. There are some splints that you can buy online. I would tell you to save your money. Ah. Uh, they won't prevent the, the deformity from happening. Um, it doesn't really prevent the pain. Uh, so save your money on any of those kind of gimmicky splints. But padding or shoe gear, icing, custom orthotics can be helpful in the early stages for sure. But even if your parent or grandparent had bunion surgery, it doesn't necessarily mean that you will have bunion surgery. But it's more than cosmetic. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it really causes pain. Absolutely. In some people. Yes. Yeah. That's a good tip. If you're having pain and you have bunions, that's what, you know, you're, it's symptomatic. It's a yep. good time to go see your foot surgeon. Correct. The thing I see the most in clinic, new subject, the thing I see the most in clinic, it's probably the least exciting thing for your whole practice, but somebody comes in with those nasty toenails that, you knew I was going to say that, I could tell, I'm looking at Dr. Bowerly and she's like, oh my God, he's going to ask me about toenail fungus. And you know, seriously, I'm asking you about toenail fungus because so many people have it, it looks nasty, and I tell them in clinic... Well, Don't so worry about it. Live with it. And they all look at me like, I'm not, no, that isn't going to happen. Is there anything people can do about it? Yeah. So um, trying to avoid uh, toenail fungus in the beginning, good hygiene. If you're a patient that has uh, sweaty feet, so your socks and shoes end up sweaty. Oh, come on, everybody has sweaty feet. Uh, some more than others. Really? Yeah. So if your your shoes and, and socks get wet, bring an extra pair to work or wherever you're going and change them out over the lunch hour. Topicals, when we talk about over-the-counter topicals, so things like tea tree oil, um, it's a non-prescription uh, natural plant oil that has some antifungal uh, properties, very good for skin and toenails. If you're looking for something to soften the toenails, to help file them at home, because sometimes you just want help, um, sometimes trimming is a little bit more difficult, so a foot soak and filing, or actually Vicks Vapor Rub will help soften the toenail, and then you can do a little filing, huh. yes. Is it true that the ultimate treatment that you can do or somebody can do is take your toenail off? Um, so That makes me squeamish to think about it. Oh, we do that every day. You do? <laughs> we do. You seriously take people's toenails off every day? Sometimes all 10. Oh. <laughs> Oh, um, so about so, half the listeners are going, oh my ooh, God, she takes yes. toenails. Um, so if, you know, more than 25 or 50% of that toenail has that bruising underneath or subungual hematoma, it will likely fall off anyways. So if it's painful or loose, we will take it off. Um, or if it's very difficult to care for, uh, we will also remove those. Please tell me you do that under like some controlled environment and you numb it up or something. We are in clinic. It takes us about five minutes. We numb you up with a little lidocaine and it is a clinic procedure um, that patients are very comfortable. 
comfortable through. I get a weekly pedicure. You know, no, I'm kidding. I had a pedicure once. I did. I was in Palo Alto, California. A bunch of us went out and got a pedicure. I bet I, it was I, lovely. I hated it. Oh. Everybody else thought it was the greatest <laughs> thing in the world. And I, I was so, it was like weird to have someone, you know, filing your toenails and everything. I always thought that was a good thing to do is to get a pedicure. But it is, right? In it, a clean, safe place. Okay. So good. if you're looking for advice on that, make sure that you find a clean, safe place. Um, that the community bowl that the water circulates through, they have liners. I would suggest that. They actually can sterilize instruments there just like we do here at the hospital. Look for a peel pack that they're sterilizing and not just wiping with alcohol. Um, And if you have medical conditions like diabetes or poor blood flow, then we would not recommend getting a pedicure. That's some high-yield advice right there. Mm -hmm. Good advice. Yes, there are ways to do it safely. We've been talking to Dr. Nicole Bowerly, a physician here at Hennepin Healthcare. She is a doctor of podiatric surgery, a podiatrist, otherwise known as a foot surgeon. Nikki, do you have time for a couple of questions from listeners? You bet. Okay, our first one comes in from Samantha in Moorhead. She says, I'm a runner, and in my running club, you hear of a lot of people getting stress fractures. What are they exactly, and what do I need to know about them? So stress fractures happen uh, in our long bones called the metatarsals. So there are five metatarsals in our forefoot area. When we have high impact um, training or running that uh, we don't give ourselves a break from, we can get into a stress fracture or even a stress riser where we get uh, kind of a change or inflammation in the bone. If we don't immobilize that or reduce our activities or or running, then we can actually end up with a true uh, fracture. So we want to take those warning signs like we would on our car very serious and and treat them early. Uh, We would get an x-ray. Sometimes advanced imaging can be helpful, but usually just a simple x-ray, some rest, time off from our activity, and that should heal up just fine. Some good information there. And our next one comes in from Kenneth in Illinois. What is turf toe? I'm curious as well. You hear a lot about it in sports. Yeah, I want to know that. So turf toe, um, most common in soccer or football, uh, where that big toe kind of jams into the ground when we're trying to kick the ball. And um, it kind of stretches out the capsule and the ligaments. Most of the time, it does not require surgery. Sometimes the the joint itself uh, can get a little cartilage damage or even a little fracture that would require surgery. So if you have an injury, an acute injury, uh, where it's instant pain, if you can't bear weight or walk, then definitely get in for an x-ray and have a podiatric surgeon evaluate that and get you on the track for proper care. That sounds worse than stubbing your toe. Yes. Is it basically stubbing your toe, but we call it turf toe because you don't want a million-dollar athlete to say, yeah, I stubbed my toe? <laughs> <laughs> it's a little what bit you've different. you just described than- is a pretty bad injury. It is a pretty bad injury, yes. Um, and if it involves the joint and the cartilage, it's more than just, I stubbed my toe. Because that's something I do. But mine, mine doesn't make it on the front page of the sports section that, yeah, Hilden stubbed his toe. <laughs> <laughs> wow, there's been a lot of really good tips. Dr. Nicole Bowerly, thank you for being here. Thank you for hosting. I appreciate you coming on here. There's been great tips for listeners, things to watch out for. And if you happen to have diabetes or other wounds, we've got some tips for you. So it's really been chock full of good information. Thanks a ton. And I hope you'll be back for a future show. You bet. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode, and I hope you'll join us for the next show as well. And in the meantime, be healthy and be well. Thanks for listening to the Healthy Matters Podcast with Dr. David Hilden. 
To keep up to date with the latest in healthcare and your health, subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. For more information on Healthy Matters or to browse the archive, visit our website at healthymatters.org. And if you have a question or comment for the doctor, email us at healthymatters at hcmed.org or give us a call at 612-873-TALK. To catch all the latest from Dr. Hilden and the Healthy Matters podcast, follow us on Twitter at drdavidhilden. Finally, if you enjoyed this podcast and would like to support us, please leave us a review and share the Healthy Matters podcast with your friends and family. The Healthy Matters podcast is made possible by Hennepin Healthcare in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and engineered by John Lucas at Highball. Executive producers are Jonathan Comito and Christine Hill. Please remember, we can only give general medical advice during this program, and every case is unique. We urge you to consult with your personal physician if you have more serious or pressing health concerns. Until next time, be healthy and be well.